everybody listening to the show. Welcome back to Training Well Done. This is your host, Coach Donald, and I'm here with Mr. Andrew Johnson, uh, one of the fastest people that you will ever talk to or hear talk. And so we were just <laughs> recapping about the versus the night before this recording uh, between Gucci Man and Jeezy. And we are both Jeezy fans, so that's why we had nothing really to say about Gucci. Although I like Gucci's music, but I do. I do. He didn't I mean, play the good stuff last night. <laughs> he didn't. And I, I don't know if he got, but maybe he got caught up in the moment. Yeah. He might get caught up in the moment of, of the actual having your, having your, your, hated rival mm -hmm. across from me and it's like he get, he got caught up in a moment of i want to i want to spit these disses in front of your face mm -hmm. so you know how i feel about you mm -hmm. and he got off track of them disses ain't gonna win yeah i mean a lot of them i was disses, on the twitter feed get you blown out <laughs> get you blown out you know what i mean because it's not it's not hits yeah i think a lot of people were thinking like after he was doing all that like he didn't come to win he just came to get this stuff off his chest right into this man's face. He ain't care about the verses. <laughs> and, right. And, and, and I mean, essentially, it's, it's a, I mean, it's not really a win or loss thing, but it, it, it was going in as a competition. Who got the best hits? Mm -hmm. And he lost focus. Yeah. Because he was ready to, to diss, you know what I mean? The Gucci held him, I mean, Gene held him strong, man. Mm -hmm. Didn't go back he at him. My initial response is, go right back at him. And it's and it's a battle that I have to fight with myself all the time. That even my friends always tell me, like, yo, you always take the bait. You always mm -hmm. take the bait. Somebody trash talk is gonna go right, and sometimes you don't have to take the bait, but I always do. So the fact that he sat there and just you know took it and kept it pushing with what he was doing, I take my hat off to him. Better mm -hmm. man than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the, were there like things that had to happen that just have morphed you to, you know, or that morphed people to being somebody who's more prone to quote unquote take the bait? Or is it like, you know, is this something that always is, has been a thing? Like, you know, especially in sport when somebody's trying to hype you up? Yes, always, <laughs> always. This is, this is it. All I need was just a little, I just need a little, say something, say something. It, it, it never, it never failed me. That was always the the easiest way to get me going. You okay. know what I mean? So, so a, a parent could easily come over. Yeah. I remember a guy, a kid in Jersey, who who gave me problems year after year. You know what I mean? Uh, I forget the team that he ran for, but I remember he was a um, light skinned kid. In Jersey, can't remember his name, but I remember coach coming over and said, "Yo, I just bumped into his coach at the concession stand. He asked me, "Yo, do you coach the kid that wears all white?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, my boy got something for him." Then he comes back like, "Yo, I just ran into this like, where? Cool, cool. I'm in. <laughs> now I'm gonna trash talk. Now I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna beat you. Then I gotta go beat you. Then at the end of beating you." I'm gonna tell you how I beat you, and then I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna beat you again because <laughs> it's your coach's fault. Like blame him for poking the bear, and that's just said. So blame him for poking the bear. Now everybody listening, me. Mr. Johnson here is a. Um, I don't even know how many times 
you've won the Junior Olympics, um, state champion for uh, high school track and field, Junior Olympic champion high, uh, for uh, youth track and field, also competed at the highest level in college. And so he's here, we're going to talk about the competitive mindset and, you know, what it takes to to bring that dog, uh, as, as my favorite motivational speaker, Eric Thomas says, you got to bring that dog, you know, and, and bringing that you know, energy to get ready to compete. And so um, in our conversations over the last couple of weeks, I mean, he brings that energy every single time. Like you just, even in a conversation, you know, the man's, the man's ready to compete. And um, it shows in the results that, you know, an athlete can get when you're ready to compete, you play a sport, you know, some people play for fun and the people that play for fun solely for fun usually don't play at the highest levels. And so when you want to compete at the highest level and you want to go and get gold medals and you want to go and, you know, best yourself among being the best, well, you're going to have to be able to bring that fire. And so um, definitely want you to uh, tell us a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into track, when you realized you were fast, was it like was a little baby running around the house like, oh, he's fast? Or like you was in the neighborhood, you just ran and blazed everybody like, yo, why can't y'all keep up? Um, and and kind of how that, you know, how you've developed over the years from youth track up to college. Um, when I was young, I started running track at five. I ran track at five for a team called um, the Steel City Striders. Okay. We were blue. Mr. Miller was the coach. We used to run up CMU all the time. Um, I started running because one of my cousins who ended up after, after the, the early part, he, I mean, he's been my track coach forever, but he got me out there. And um, first meet, one, the 100 and the 200. Um, and from then on, it was just, that's just what it was, man. It was track, it was running, you know what I mean? I, I don't know, I think it was just put me out there to, cause it got some energy, you know, let's let's see what happens. But it was, it was a good first track meet. I got a picture of it, it's pretty crazy. First actual track meet at CMU. Um, I went out and, 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 and got the gold. And and since then, it's, it's, we've been on a, a competitive, you know, hunt to, to be the best, you know what I mean? Early on, we didn't we didn't know much about the traveling part of it. You know, everything was local, so it was, you know, all the our meet at Oliver and Penn Hills and and Wings of Moon and you know the, the same ones that are running now. We would typically run to uh, to association, maybe regionals, depending on how far it was, and then we, you know we would shut it down for the year. Uh, typically, for like the first three or four years. Um, then once Booth started getting wind of, you know, these invitationals, you know, East Coast Invitational, and, and, you know, it started realizing, you know, we can fundraise to get some money to, to go on these trips. And, you know, we're really out here hustling to, to really to really make money to, to get sent on these trips. Then it, it turned up to another level. Um, I would say probably about nine, ten years old is when it really started to turn up a little bit and we start coming across other other guys across the, the country, you know what I mean? Um, that were that were runners. And it's like, all right, this is what's out there because we gotta, you know, we gotta go find it. Um, we used to get some locally, you know what I mean? Um, 
after a while, I mean, locally it seemed like, all right, I've been racing these dudes since I was five and beating these dudes since I was five. Like, what's next? You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know if any any parents, if Miss Sue or any of, the, any of them was listening, but they will probably remember um, Coach Carter from uh, Wings of Moon. Like, I mean, my thing was they had the biggest meet. The Invitational was the biggest meet that was around locally. And it was like, hey, man, the lights are on. And he always had a guy, but it's like, and he, and it was fun, of course. But he, he had trash talk too. You know, he was like, I, got, I got somebody for your boy today. So it was always a, a mission. Like, I'm going to give Wings of Moon hell every time. Like, every single time we go out there, like, I'm going to make them never forget. Like, this red and white. I mean, you're not going to forget it. You know what I mean? And we're going to win in big fashion until he's not dipping at the line winning. It's like one hand in the air crossing the line. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I remember he used to he used to fly him in. He used to fly him in. He used to bring him in, go get other guys. And one year, he went and got a guy from Jersey who should have been running in the, in the meet. And, uh, and he shouldn't have been running in my age group. His name was Dorian Bryant. Um, I was actually cool with him through through college a little bit, but he had wheels and I think he had to run like 10-2 at some point in his life. But he, he went to Purdue and he beat me. And I was like, I was upset, but then I once I realized the age gap, I was like, yeah, that's what you gotta do. You know what I mean? Like you better go get somebody older. But you know, it was the the fueling of the the competition, you know what I mean? All the way through. I mean, our parents knew, um, the coaches knew, they knew, you know, what buttons to press, it was expected. You know what I mean? You go out there and you go out there and win. It's simple. You know what I mean? I, I can very vividly remember Mr. Chuck, you know, um, Char's dad, pulling a tent out the, out the van and he's, hey, you, you, you ready to win today? <laughs> it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Got the cooler, got the tent, about to go set up. But hey, what you ready to do? Like this is what we here for, you know. We not he not getting out like hey, good to see. You. He's like nah, you ready to win? Mm. Cool, you know. And, and let's go to it. You know what I mean? So, you know that through the years and 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 going into taking that into into high school. Well, let me not skip past. I did not win the junior Olympics. I came in second. Was my was my best finish in junior Olympics. Was second in in two thousand. Um, we were up in Buffalo. And I, um, I lost to the guy that um, he actually, in that race, he broke the national record um, for our age group. It's the youth age group. I want to say he went like 10, 9, like 10, 93 or something like that. How old were y'all when he went 10, 93? Uh, 13, 14. So oh like eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he actually ended up being my boy for a while, too. Um, he went to Arkansas and played football. Um but yeah, yeah, and he he broke the uh, I won't say he broke the two hundred record. He went like twenty one six or something wild. It, something that I wasn't I wasn't close to running, especially in the two hundred. But in a hundred, I, I took second to him. But um, you know, taking that momentum through high school, man, it, my high school track was it, it was a little different, but it, it was I was used to it. You know, I was used to the competition after. My freshman year, freshman year was a little, I mean, a little rocky, I guess you can kind of say. You know, I, I qualified for states. Um, I didn't make the final. I was out partying, 
I shouldn't have beforehand. So I, I should have at least made the final, but you know, things happen. But I would say beyond ninth grade through high school, uh, I think I can remember losing three races mm. and two were to the same person. Um, a guy from the east side of the state. Um, one was a semifinal in 11th grade, the other was the final in 12th grade. And then the other one was a 200 meter race to a guy from Bethel Park in 12th grade. So um, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember the losses man, real vividly. I know what happened, know what it did wrong, just can't take it back, right? Yeah. Um, and, and going into college, I mean, that was just our thing. So Miami, Miami, University of Miami does not t- really recruit sprinters. They just take football guys because most of the football guys are fast and ran track through through high school. So the football guys will go um, run 100, 200, you know, the relays, the things of that nature. So um, I ran open 60 indoor and I ran the um, four by one. That's where we uh, placed third in ACC in my sophomore year, I want to say. Placed third in ACC okay. in a, in a four by one. Now, uh, let, let's let's step one step back for our listeners. Let's let's give us some times, like you know, as you were finishing up through high school. What were some of these PRs looking like? Um, high school, the hundred. I want to say like ten forty-seven, something like that. It was up in Pine Richland. I can't remember. It's like ten. It was high. Uh, 10 I actually ran against a, a guy from back to hyping it up and there was a guy from Mars his name was Brad Mueller and everybody just knew to keep poking and poking like uh, he, he here he comes and this is him I, he may have won state the year before I don't know but all I knew was that you know if he wants some he gets some too he was just yeah, it's, it's easy it's easy to press on buttons when it comes to that um, in the two I must say like twenty one eight. I okay. think it was a Butler, somewhere Butler. And then did you ever run the four or was that too far? No, I'm not running the four hundred. <laughs> not running. I feel like barely, anybody who um, I'm not running two hundred the hundred, they decide they're not gonna run the four. <laughs> one year at States I I walked out of the blocks in the two hundred because there was a rule. I ran a two hundred at WPIL because for points, you know what I mean? We're trying to win a team championship, but if you qualify for states at WPIL, you have to run it at states. You couldn't, you couldn't scratch the event. So the only way to scratch the event was the false start. Mm. Walked out of the blocks and walked off like, man, I'll see y'all in a hundred, man. I'm not, I'm not doing this. (laughs) What was your beef with the two? Too far? Too far, man. I grew out of that. I grew up at waist I mean, body start growing. I mean, I went into high school at 160. Senior year was like 210. It's mm. like, look, man, it's too much weight to be carrying around the track. Let me do what I do where, where, where my thing is, and let's, let's call this a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> no, that's too far. I'm not an eighth of a mile. Never. I'm not carrying a, this around, man. I have a kid who, like, we're trying to like nudge her to do the four more. She came out as a freshman and she would just always win the hundred. And like 
I had other kids like this when people who just can keep winning the hundred and you start talking about the 400 and they're like, mm. and then like the kids who are like, okay, they're like, all right, let's do the four or two. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this they is They know what they're good at. They know what they're good at, man. Listen, I'm not a, I am not a, I'm a Ferrari. Okay. Are you going to put your Ferrari on a highway and drive it from Pittsburgh to DC at a high rate of speed? No. You gonna we're gonna sprint from from downtown to Morovia and that's it. And like, <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not running no, I'm not running all the way around the track. We're gonna catch you at the community five K. Listen, man, I'm not doing it. You barely get me to jog a jog a full lap for warm up. You know what I mean? Like I would rather just warm up a different way. Well uh, that's the you I was good at what I did at the time. Mm-hmm. So I had some sorry for the helicopter. Uh, so I had some, I had some leeway. Yeah, you know what I mean, a little bit. It's like, what can you really? I mean, what can you really say? I mean, <laughs> the kid is winning. You know what I mean? Doing it his way and his working. What can you really say? You know? Yeah. So. Um. Now, when you got to college at Miami, like the U, you get. Uh, that's funny that you said they don't recruit for track because all their football guys did track. And I don't know if it was like this when you were in high school up here. But up in here in the Whippeal, especially no, in the Whippeal, it seems like a lot of these schools, at least uh, you can't see my shirts, so I, I won't put them out there, don't mm-hmm. let their high school football players do track because they just want them to lift. Yeah, that's what I mean. I won't hear that. Listen, it's, it's selfishness. It's selfishness mm-hmm. from, from the coach. I mean, anybody that I know growing up played multiple sports. And high and college coaches love multi-sport athletes. Everybody. I mean, I remember watching Darrell Reeves score five touchdowns in a state game and then go back and put up 30 in a basketball game two days later. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, anybody that was somebody that in football ran track. Anybody. Anybody. Any guy that you saw on a Saturday afternoon, you know, after balling out on Friday night, when springtime came, ran track. I mean, one, it was to get faster. Two, it was to get out of school early to go to the track meets. Three, all the girls was there. And four, compete. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you look at, I have, somebody sent me an old photo from Baldwin um, years ago in the stands. It's packed. Like, it's standing room only. But you also got to look in the race, just like myself. Um, the guy, Brad Mueller from Mars, he went to Boston College. Justin King, he went to Penn State, and he played for the Rams. Um, Stephen Brinson, he went to Pitt for football. Like, I mean, you're running down guys that all were Division One athletes in a different sport, but was out there in track to compete. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot. I think another part of it also is, I mean, that doesn't give the kid much confidence, right? In the running, because yeah. in track you can't. In track you can't hide. Football you can hide. Like you mm-hmm. mess up a little bit, you got ten other people that can kind of. You miss a block, it's like oh, they ain't gonna see that unless you really watch the film and break it down. Track you can hide. It's you on the line. Yeah. Like you go out there, you go out there and get work. Everybody's gonna see you get work. Everybody, you know what I mean, but it, I think it, 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 it hampers the kid because they don't learn proper running, 
proper technique. Um, I mean, how to run is, is the majority of the battle, you know what I mean, of, of you being fast. I mean, of course, some people are born with it, you know what I mean? Of course. But the learning how to run is, is, is another big part of it. And they, they really hurt your kids. You know, there's kids in, in Florida, Texas, California, out here in L.A. I'm talking wheels, man. They can run. I mean, I watched, watched a kid at St. John Bosco out here, 10th grader, ran 10.41, but he's a running back. Mm, mm. And he, I mean, he got, he hasn't started a game yet, but he got seven, eight division offers. Running because he can play, you know what I mean. So it's just they really, they really, really hurt the kids when they don't allow them to do that. Yeah, I've all, you know, a lot of coaches say that. A lot of college coaches say that, and so you know, it's just annoying when I see this happen all the time. And then even now, like you know, having been on the USATF like coaching circuit here. There's a lot of these kids I saw as like seven, eight, nine-year-olds who are now like 12, 13, 14, coming out of middle school. Some of them are in high school now. And I'm like, oh, these dudes who are like, you know, the freshman starters or the dudes who got these crazy middle school football highlight tapes. I'm like, oh, that's the same dude I would put on the starting line at the 100, like who was always winning the 100. Or that kid was always mm-hmm. winning the two or always winning the four. Um, and these same kids you know, they would compete together or, you know, whether they were on the same team or different team, these same little block of kids, they're like the main stars on their football team or they're like the main stars heading off against each other in the football games. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a trend to this. You can't go speed, man. Mm. You can't go speed. On any level, like if you can run, you always got a shot. Always. I mean, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a, um, a boy, I mean, in the NFL, look at them. If you can run, you can make a roster. You know what I mean? No matter how, how old you get. I mean, I ran, um, and I was tight with a uh, guy, Ted Ginn. Mm-hmm. Ted Ginn was 13, low 13s or mid 13s in the 110 hurdles in high school. And he's 30, he's 33, I'm 33, so he's about 33, 34 right now. He's still in the league because he's still probably a top 10, top five guy running. Yeah. So we'll find a spot for you if you can run. We can teach you all the other things. I don't know what the actual stat is, but I feel like the average NFL guy playing like DB or wide receiver is probably like a 10, seven to 11 flat type of dude. And if you right. come into the league out the ability to run 10, three, 10, four, you losing a step is still faster than half of the NFL. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you look at guys and They'll put up guys like, oh, he was a high school guy. Da, da, da. He was a high school track guy, you know. And they'll put up his time. It's like 1075, 1070. And it's like, damn, he's taking off on him out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So imagine what you do being just a, a, you know, a step or two faster. You know what I mean? You really set yourself apart and you, you earn yourself a job, man. Yeah. Or a scholarship. If, if it's going high school to college, you earn yourself a scholarship. You know what I mean? That. That, that matters. You know what I mean? We can teach you to catch. We can put you on a jug machine. We can, we can run you to drills. We can, you know, we can work on your hips. We can, we can get you flexible. You know what I mean? But if you can just flat out run, it goes a long way. Yeah. Now, when you got to Miami, you had to compete with these type of guys who were, you know, when you go to a school like that, everybody can run, you know, 10-5, 10-4. So, how did you handle that with your mindset competitiveness your between you know just being aggressive and competitive as well as your self-confidence 
running now just with people amongst your team who were, you know, in your range of speed plus the people you had to compete with from other schools? Um, I was cool with that. I mean, that was the point of going. You know what I mean? The, the point of going was, you know, seeing them on TV. They jumping around, talking trash, you know, these are, you know, the announcers, these are the fastest guys, these guys can run. And so it's like, man, this is where they at. And, and their mental kind of, and their personality and what, and what they are is, is similar to what I like to do. I like to jump around and talk trash and, you know what I mean, do all that type of stuff too. So I want to go where the best is at. You know what I mean? I mean, I, before Miami, I was committed to Pitt. Could have, you know, easily let that one go by. But it was like, I want to see what these guys are doing out here. Like, I, I hear so much about, about Florida. Like, Florida's the best, Florida this, Florida that. I want to go see what, it, what it's like down there. I want to go compete with them. So going in, I mean, I was probably maybe fifth fastest on a team. Um, and I was cool with that because I was able to compete with them. You know what I mean? I was trying every day to beat them. But, I mean, you got guys that are – Devin Hester was on the team at the time. I think Hester was like a 10 three guy. Mm. But these guys that are all competing are also 180, 185. So, like – you know what I mean? It, it, you're going at it every day, but you also realize, like, I got 40 pounds on these dudes, and I'm in this race. You know what I mean? I have a chance. So I just know you go out there every day, there's a chance to beat them. I mean, not ever. But the, the fact of me practicing with them and running against them, it'll still make me faster than anyone else that, we, that I go against. You know what I mean? When it comes to that. Nice. How did you, um, how did you finish up your career up there? I ended up I ended up there my junior year. Our whole coaching staff got wiped out. Mm. Um, they were bringing in a new staff, and I ended up transferring to Akron for my last year. What's interesting is Akron was one of those schools that did not want the football players to run track. Uh. So going from Miami to Akron was like two opposite ends of the spectrum of how they viewed the athletic program, sports was important, um, things of that nature. Okay. Um, how did you like finish up time wise? Like, how did you, how did you do like between, you know, the U? Um, I didn't run the open hundred. Okay. I didn't run an open hundred in, in, uh, college. We just did, I did the 60, 60, I went six, six ninety something like that. Maybe six eighty nine. Um, and then the four by one I did, I was, um, I let off. We, we went 40 point two or three um should have been should have been faster but we, we didn't do much practice for four um four football guys mm-hmm. you know and for us to be able to finish that way that like we were we were really proud man. we were really proud that us four can go out there and, and do that and and the fact of we ran a pin relays also and not to throw that one out there but the fact that we finished like that with four guys that were you know 205, 210, and you look at some, you know, you, you've seen track guys, you know, 160, 165, we look like giants at the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, going against guys. And, but the fact that we were able to compete and, and, and stay in our rates and, and finish third, that was, that was definitely a, a big thing for us. Nice. Now, when you, you know, you look at um, yourself, you look at other athletes, and you, you talk about, you know, the competitive environment, like 
what do you define that as, you know, in, in this essence of being competitive? Because you certainly come across people in life who are just not. Um, a definition, uh, I would more say, more so say that it's, it's the willingness to, it's the willingness to have a goal that may, that seem, may seem outlandish, but you're willing to do whatever it takes to get that goal. Yeah. Now, because you, you compete with yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always the, the, the first place, but you still compete with yourself to get to the goal that you want to get to. So the goal, I mean, goals to win and whatever winning is, whatever you whatever you define as, as winning, right? Um, but are you willing to do whatever it takes to get to it? Can you compete with yourself? You're competing with life daily you know what i mean how many times you get up like i don't feel like going i don't feel like going out there today you know what i mean but you, you go out there and you, you get it done you know what i mean you compete with your yesterday self mm-hmm. to end up being better you know the next day so I, I think that's that's really is as simple as i can try to put it for an individual athlete like how would you say they can help breed that better like yeah some people you know, they just come out the get and they're really competitive people. But I think this is one of those traits that can be bred more. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about like how a team can do that. But how do you think an athlete as an individual can wake up with that mentality of being willing to do whatever it takes to be able to compete at their best and win? Um, I think sometimes you, you have it in you, but even when you're young, I think it's the environment around you. And, and, and a lot of it is belief and confidence. Um, for instance, the parents that we had, not just mine, but all the parents on the team, let us know that we could win. Like, mm. you know you can be. You know what I mean? They told us, and you, need to, you, you can win. You can, you can be a national champion. You can be a regional champion. Whatever it was, all of them let us know that. And that was the standard was winning. You know what I mean? So you you grew up you're six, seven, eight years old. If, if if you know if you got it in you, like I can walk out there and I'm and I can dog them, you know, it I mean kids are innocent. They they're just funded, they're only taking in what they're given. So mm-hmm. if you take in um fuel of confidence and and and, and adults that you know you can and adults that you respect letting you know you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you can win, you can run this time. You know what I mean? This is what it's going to take. And then it, it breeds confidence in them, which then comes around like, I'm competitive. It doesn't say I'm competitive, but it says I can compete mm. in whatever I'm doing because this is what they told me. I mean, you tell even if it's a lie, you tell yeah. yourself a lie long enough, you believe the lie. You still looking up and look up in a year like, damn, that wasn't the story. But I'm gonna roll with the story because <laughs> I've told myself this lie this long. You know what I mean? And, and even if it's a lie, they're fueling the kid to believe that they can do all of this stuff and they can do anything. So I think that's really a, a, a big way of of a kid becoming a a serious competitor. You know what okay. I mean? It's, it's confidence. I had ultimate 
confidence in these two wheels that God gave me because everybody told me, you know, know what you can do, know what you can do, you know what you can do from top to bottom. And, and even if it wasn't just the parents, you know, for my team, I mean, the River City parents, the Nadia parents, you know what I mean? They were all, you know, in on it. We all practiced together, you know what I mean? So they all were in on the, oh, y'all can do anything. Y'all can do anything. Y'all can go out and beat any of these kids. And that was the standard of beating those kids. You know, I remember Michael Johnson used to wear his gold necklace when he used to run. Mm-hmm. And it was a parent, Miss Lisa. Miss Lisa used to have gold on all the time. I like, had Miss Lisa come for your necklace. And she's like, you're going to wear this, you better win. Mm. If you don't win, I want my, I want my jewelry back. You ain't wearing it again. <laughs> At that point, I got to win. Got to win because I'm not taking this thing off, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't take that chain off till my neck outgrew it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that big because it was the point of I didn't want to disappoint the parents on on what they expected of us you know what i mean so it, that was a, that was definitely a big thing and that that is a big thing for kids man having a confidence to know that i can do this stuff you, mean, you can be the president you can be whatever you can be whatever you want to be you know what i mean and once they believe it once they if they can believe santa they can believe they can be the best that there is you know what i mean so it's just putting it in their in their minds that they can do it and after it's in their mind it's like okay so I know you believe you can do this, so here's what it takes to do this. So that is a quote that needs to be written down. That is a quote that you need to make a t-shirt with that. If, <laughs> if they could believe in Santa, they could believe they could win. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is, that is a, that's a oh, great yeah, line. Kids believe anything, man. Please, kids believe anything you tell them, right or wrong. They believe it. So if you, if you put in their mind that you can be whatever this ultimate goal is they will believe it mm. once you believe it it's like it's in my mind like you can't tell me no different mm-hmm. you can't tell me no different for sure now when you mentioned the environment like the parents and the coaches like how do parents and coaches help breed that you mentioned like you know that the that woman telling yo i'm gonna give you this necklace like you can't lose yeah. you mentioned big chuck telling you like Yo, you ready to win at eight o'clock in the morning? Not know, hey, good morning. You want some coffee? You ready to win? You know, like how do how do teams and yeah, they win. that? Um, it's just the words of encouragement, man. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, a coach can only do but so much, right? You need help from. It takes a community. Is is always the the term, and and it does, and you know the the constant sharing of you know those words of encouragement help you know what i mean it's like if you're going through something everybody's patting you on the back and everybody's there to comfort you you get you get over it a little bit you know what i mean if it's just that one person it's kind of like i'm in my own head and what they saying i'm not really listening to mm. you know or or it's, it's people used to say if everybody said it, it must be true you know what i mean and, and you can put that into a kid's heart and a kid's mind it, it helps tremendously. I mean, as a coach, you know, you'll do it on the track, but they get tired of hearing your voice. They get tired of hearing you all the time. I mean, and, if, and as a kid, I don't want to hear from my dad all the time or my mom. You know, a person, I could tell a kid something that their, that their parent told them 10 times over and the kid look at me like, ha, got it. It's like, dad's like, I just told you this. You know what I mean? But it, it's, it's just hearing it from others and 
put in a confirmation stamp on what the person closest to you said. You know, if you're the person closest and you're telling them, you know, they can do this, do this, do this, and they go and they hear it from a parent that's watching from afar that they don't typically talk to, then it's like, dang, they know this too. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe coach is right, or maybe my dad is right, or maybe my mom is right. So I think it's just the 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 recurring, you know, words of motivation and, and confidence that that help. Okay. That's really interesting. You know, that's something that I have parents that come to me complain about, you know, that I see all the time, like a parent will have said something to a kid and that we're at, we're training or at practice. And I say it and they're like, yeah, the kid might tell me, you know, in, in private, like, yo, my mom said that or like, or their parent will be there. And we said that and, and they, the mom just be standing looking at them like this. Right. <laughs> like I told you yeah. that. But there's just something different, especially if it comes like if it's a kid that I don't even coach. Like if I see another kid, you know, do something really good and, you know, give them a piece of encouragement and like they light up and they hardly know who I am. But there is something about that. I remember, you know, when I, I was relatability, young, relatability, yeah. man, you're young. You're young. You're not you're not you don't seem as far removed from them as their mm-hmm. parent. Every kid, their parent is old. I got a 10-year-old. She's about to be 11. She's like, oh, you're old. Like, what? I'm 33. <laughs> like, have you seen some of your friend's parents? Like, your friend's parents are old. Like, I'm not, I'm not old. You know what I mean? <laughs> have you seen what they, what, they, what they look like? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not old. But she mm-hmm. takes it as me being old. So if that's the case, then you take your roundabout way of getting your message across, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a parent, and I know that my kids are listening to me and play like, hey, coach. Listen, boom, boom, boom you know, give you the rundown of, of, of what, what I'm thinking. Like, hey, pass this along. You know, and I have to get my message across a different way as opposed to, you know, coming down like the judge, like the hammer, and you really cracking down as a parent. I'll get my message across a different way. And it's just being creative of how to talk to your kid, you know what I mean, or, or, or how to relate to your kid because they all think their parents are old, all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think my high schoolers. So when I started coaching high school track, I was like 25 maybe. And so, you know, teenagers, especially younger teenagers, they don't really have a a spectrum of understanding age, especially when you're in your 20s. And so like you're either a teenager Mm -hmm. or you're old. And, you know, Mm they were like, Coach, how are you? You don't look like you're old, but like you got to be like 35, right? And I'd be like... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and they were like, I'm, I, I used to tell them how old I was. I stopped telling them how old I was. My first year, I didn't know any better. So I thought, I'm like, I'm 25. And they just all these confused looks on their faces because they're like, I don't know <laughs> what that means. <laughs> right. They don't know that part of life. And I'm, I coached high school at West Allegheny for mm-hmm. a couple of years. Um, I was probably about 25, but that ended up being, it ended up being a great thing. Because the coaching staff, the majority, not all, the majority of the coaching staff was older. Mm-hmm. So you get this younger guy in. And I know I figured out a lot of times with kids, they want to listen if they feel like you've done it or could do it. Yeah. You know, so there will be moments where we're out there and I'm like, man, you better, you know, they'll say something. I'm like, man, you better Google. Like, you got Google, don't you? Like, type my name in the google bar and then it comes back it's like the coach i found his tape 
So what you say I should do on this again? And now <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation, you know what I mean? Or there was even times I was, I mean, I'm in decent shape now, but in better shape, you know what I mean? Then well, I'm actually running around. I'm running mm-hmm. around. I got a helmet on. I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually, you know, pushing them around and giving them a look. And it's just like, dang, like, you know what to do. So maybe we should listen. And then it became like a rallying crowd. Like now they all, it's like they got an older brother to talk to as opposed to a 55 or 60 year old man who's, you know, a couple generations they feel removed from what they've experienced. You know what I mean? So there's that also. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm still not too far removed from it because I can still get out there. I tell them all the time. I, I just went to North Hill, went back to North Hill. Like I would smoke all of y'all. <laughs> I'll run all of y'all. So don't think like <laughs> my age is defining like you know what I mean that you that you should listen. I'm old. I'm still relatable to you guys and what you guys can do. So you know if there's an opportunity to try to pass along anything like this, it's definitely still relatable to times that you know you're in. Definitely. And like you know from you talking about running ten four. You come out and lose just two steps. You still on a good year and still state championship up here in Pennsylvania. Where on like some off years, a ten eight, ten nine will win, and you got a bunch of eleven O's in the finals. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, fresh out of the bed right now. No, give me three months. Yes, absolutely. Three months. I think you need like three days. You could probably still run ten nine. <laughs> nah, I mean I can't open up like that, man. Oh yeah, I, I, I wouldn't risk it. I hamstrings I be like, my, I wouldn't risk my long term. Hamstrings yeah, be like, bro, yeah, what are you they doing? Haven't, they, haven't, they haven't exerted that much that much power in, in a <laughs> long time. So the fact that trying to do it would would definitely be a a, a terrible, terrible <laughs> idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something I've I've noticed is me being not that fast. So, but like coaching and being around people like that like the amount of power that you produce, the more power that you can produce, the higher your chance of injury actually is like slow kids get hurt less because they just can't produce the kind of force that would even get their muscles hurt. Right. Right. I mean, but that's, that's going on taking care of your body, the stretching, mm-hmm. the, you know, the warming up the, the things of that nature. Um, you, you have to take care of it. I mean, it's funny, you know, earlier you say it's a Ferrari, but it's, it's a car. Yeah. It's a car, you know, you got to put, you buy the car, you got to put the right fuel in it for it to work properly and to maximize. So um, it's all relative for sure. For and sure. a Ferrari takes a lot of maintenance. A Ferrari, Ferrari takes more maintenance than a whole, a Honda Accord does. Right. And much more maintenance, you know, and that's the, the stretching, the, the fuel, the, the water and the, you know, I mean, the no sugar and the eating, you know, as best as possible and getting rest and, you know, overworking, you know what I mean? When it comes to, you know, my mom thought I should go get a couple extra miles in last night. Yeah, well, mom's not the coach. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, have you, I have you on the path for a reason. You know what I mean? I have you on the, on the right path. So it's, it's taking care of it. Yeah, for sure. Now, as you've, you know, you're, you're out of college now. It's been quite a few years. How do you feel this competitive mindset has played itself out in your life now as an adult beyond just uh, sports? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's every day because again, you're, you're competing against yourself, but also at the same time, you're competing against the world, man. It's tough out here. 
You know, mm-hmm. kids kids don't get it until you're, you're really out of the nest and you, you really get, you know, kind of punched in the face by life. But it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, right? To, um, to, to really go after the goal that you want. So you have to be competitive. Because there's always, uh, whatever you come up with, whether it's your job, whether you come up with a company, whatever the case may be, there's always somebody trying to take your spot. You work with somebody and you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you get replaced, right? So in whatever I'm doing, I, I want to leave a mark. I'm selling stuff. When I leave, it's, you know, that was the best salesperson that walked through here. Like he, you know, he got it done. Or I have a company and, I'm, and I sell water, you know what I mean? And I want the best water. I want the best water in the South because that's how I generate revenue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily notoriety, but it's, it's, it's the competition of becoming the, the best brand or the best at whatever you're doing. So, uh, I mean, life is highly competitive. Um, I mean, you look at, you take it from out of, out of the attention away from me, you put it on a say, um, a CEO of a company. Say Highmark. Mm-hmm. You think CEO of Highmark is competitive? <laughs> I mean, he wants to, I think he wants to be the best healthcare provider available for people, right? So he's competing with UPMP. Mm-hmm. Like he has, there's a competitive, there's always, as much as you think about it, it's just like, oh, he, he's probably just there doing his job. He's like, now he's at his desk, like, what are they doing? Why are we not blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't get and promoted on accident. You look at relative to clothing, you know what I mean? You don't. You look at Burlington as opposed to, like, let's say, a Ross or something like that. They're competing for customers. They're competing to see who has the best value, the best everything, you know, to, to win the customer over. So there's competition every day. I mean, mm-hmm. you're more competitive as an adult than you are as a kid. Ooh. Somebody, yo, write that down, listeners. You, <laughs> you your life I mean, requires you, so? you to be more competitive as an adult than as a kid if you want to get a hit. I mean, if you're if you're if you're you're a kid, you're only a kid to you anything. Very short window to be competitive. You live to your eighty, put in sixty two years of competing, and being the best at, at whatever I'm doing. So, I mean, you you have to have competitive nature. You have to have that fire in you, or else you you just float by. And that's okay too. It's okay too. If that's you. If that's what you're, you know what I mean? That's what you're, you're, you're cool with. But I mean, if I'm playing, I'm playing to win mm-hmm. every time. I'm, I'm playing to win. I'm always playing to win. I'm trying to figure out how to win, no matter what the game is. If it's track, spade, selling something, I don't care. I'm playing to win. And that's, that's just, it's just what it is. And that, you know, that plays out so many ways. You think about even being a parent and playing to win in regards to setting your kid up well, emotionally, educationally, financially, mentally, giving them the confidence, being able to be able to handle the situations that they throw at you. There's some level of competitiveness, even with yourself, or, you know, people don't want me to say this on air, but even with the other parents around you and how well your kid does, like, that's that's a new breed of it. Oh, my kid does this, my kid does that. And, and, And sometimes they take it to another level, with the, you know what I mean, with, with how they push off their, their competitiveness on their kid, you know what I mean, because their kid may not have the same fire. Um, so they'll boast about, you know what I mean, they out there yelling about what mm-hmm. their kid this, their kid that. 
But I mean, I mean, everyone wants to be able to get up and say, you know, I, I might be a proud parent. My kid won nationals, or I put two kids in the in the NFL, or I put two kids in, you know, in college, or I got five kids and and all of them were Division one athletes, or you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or I got five kids and all of them turn out to be lawyers. You know what I mean? You always want to be that proud parent. So, yes, that's a competition. Yes, I have a ten-year-old and I want her to be the best at whatever she does, so I can turn around and kind of shit pat myself on the back and be like, "Yo, you did a, you did a good job with this one." You know what I mean? This is yeah. this is a, something that you molded from the ground up. Yeah, it feels good. Absolutely, I get it. I get Levar Ball. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I set my boys up for success, and he and he did a great job. Yes, I get it. He's a proud parent, so just I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's, it's great because you put you put so much into your kid. Now you can only do that if your kid is, is wants it. You should force it. But whatever they want to do, and they they say they love it, you dive all in on it, and they become great. Absolutely, absolutely. You should you should pat yourself on the back for it. Definitely, and there's nothing wrong with I I feel like. Nothing wrong with doing a good job of something and patting yourself on the back for it. You should always, you know, you should always take the blame if, you, if you're the one to blame and you're responsible. You should always take the blame for responsibility. And if something goes well, you need to give credit where credit's due when people helped you out. But if you were a part of that thing working out well for you, especially something that's really about you, you need to give yourself credit for that because you, you did it. You, not even that you deserve it. That's that's rightful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you definitely want to count the wins along the way. You know what I mean? You want to enjoy, love, enjoy the process. You definitely want to enjoy the process. You know what I mean? You want to have fun with it. You want to, you want to smile and laugh along the way. You know what I mean? Through the through the wins and and, and the losses that you take. You know what I mean? You got to be able to take them take them both gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you definitely want to enjoy along the ride of along the ride of getting to the goal that you want to get to. You know what I mean? Yes, the goal could be nationals, to win nationals, but, you know, it, it, it's a good feeling to to win a, a dual meet or a local meet or whatever. You know what I mean? It, it's a good feeling. It's just don't make that your Super Bowl. Yeah. Because we still got more work to do. That's It's a step up the ladder, but, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's clap for that step. You know what I mean? But let's also realize that this ain't end-all, be-all. And this, is, this was expected. So, yeah, it's a good feeling. This was expected, but we're not done yet. Definitely. Now, um, kind of closing out, you have any uh, final thoughts and words for, you know, the listeners who, um, who, are, who are tuned in and them being able to improve how they breed or handle their competitiveness as they go through their sports in life? Um, I would say that if you – find the thing that you're really passionate about it is it should be relatively easy to be competitive in it because you really like it right yeah if you, if you if you really really like something whether it's sports whether it's drawing whether it's fashion or whatever it is you really really have a desire for it um it should be kind of easy to be competitive with it if you're doing something and you're just like, well, I'm just here, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Mm. No matter what it is. If you're out there just running and you're on the track and you're taking a space, 
if you if you don't have a, a fire or a passion about it, then you should you should sit down and look at what you're passionate about. Mm. Because you can't want more for them than they want for themselves. You know, so um, that is that is definitely a, a a very important thing. And then the other part is dream big, man. Dream big, like it it's you can do it all. You know what I mean? Kind of going back to that story you told me about the um, I want to say it was the young lady that you had, the the business runner. Mm-hmm. When you were saying that, um, you know, she finished what top twenty five? Yeah. A couple, couple years, years back, and then went to sixty last last year, right? It was actually I, I checked after we had that conversation. She was eighty seven. Like, yo, the goal. He bumped up the age group and was at eighty. Top twenty five. Mm-hmm. Eighty eight. Okay, so you take her, and then she, you know, they double back and was like, "Hey, we go top twenty five again." I'm happy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, why? Why be happy with just twenty five? Like, yeah. Why not go for one? Go for one. Go for number one. If you don't hit one, cool, right? You remember that feeling of not hitting one. Now, when you come back to practice, you, you take that feeling, that punch in the stomach that you felt when you, if you lost, I'm not going to say when, if you lost, you take that, that punch in the stomach and you work harder the next year. You work harder, but the goal was always one. The goal was never 25. The goal mm. was never second place. You know what I mean? Yeah. You remember who lost the Super Bowl and, 2016? No. But you can easily find a winner. Nobody mm-hmm. thinks about the loser, you know what I mean? So the, the, the goal should never be to lose. Definitely. Ever. The goal should always to be the best. And will you get that? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But the goal is always to shoot for the stars and be the best. No matter what. No one rem- Let me ask you this. What, what kind of workout do you give the 50th best person? What kind of, how do you plan that workout? So how do you, as a coach, right? How do you plan a workout for the 50th best person in America? You don't. You plan to do the workout to be the best. Exactly. So that's how a person needs to, to approach it. That mm-hmm. I'm working out to be the best. And my goal is to be the best. I'm not working out to be second or third or fourth or fifth. I'm, I'm not working out for that. No matter how lofty it may seem, no matter how crazy, and people may tell you it's crazy, it's not crazy. I don't know if the camera's on, but I'm going to look dead in the camera. It's not crazy. Kids, whoever you are, any it's not crazy. The lofty goal is not crazy. It may take some time. It may not be in five months. It may not be in five years. But regardless, at a hustle, you got to work at it. And the goal is always to be the best, period. So, listeners, go out. Do what you have to do to be the best. <laughs> Um, thank you very much, uh, Andrew, for this and for sure. really helping for sure. us, you know, learn better how we can, you know, have that competitive mindset, how we can breed that and how we can also take pride in that because it's a personality trait and it's something that people are born with, that people can develop that, you know, it helps us get forward where we want to go in life. And it's something that people should take pride in and, and really own. So thank Absolutely. you, um, listeners, thank you. make sure... Thank you. If you have any favorite quotes, you send an email uh, to me at donald at ghperformance.com. Send a DM to at training well done. And, you know, that quote about if a kid can believe in Santa Claus, 
they can believe they can win. Like, I want to get that on a shirt. Um, if you have any favorite parts, you know, let us know. Make sure you like, subscribe, share this show with a friend, share what you got from this with a teammate of yours, and really sit down and think about, yo, how can I be more competitive? As a parent, how can you breed a better environment for your kids to compete? And for you coaches listening, how can you build a team culture that is about competing and being able to do your best and ultimately go out and win? Yeah, you want kids to have fun and all that jazz, but go out and win and, you know, shoot for the stars. So thank you for that. And if you, if you have any River City kids that are, that are on, I want them to understand the type of coach that they have. Charlize was a dog. <laughs> Charlize went to Michigan State. You name me a person that was a sprinter from that side of the state that went to a big college like that. Not many. Not many. Understand what you got. Cherish what you got. Because your coach was serious. The real deal. All the way inside out. The real deal. So understand, respect it, and, and take in, you know what I mean, everything that, that you've given out. Sure. We might have to bring Char on the show. You should bring Char on the show. Because Charlie's, yes. Yes. Serious. Serious. You know, funny, um, at the end of, oh, the recording's still good, so we're going to just include this. So what was it? Last summer at the regionals, they had the regionals and associations at Slippery Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember which race it was. I was working the finish line, or I was down there doing something. And so they had uh, Coach Buddy. Um, I felt like he was running mm-hmm. when we were there for Nadia. He was mm-hmm. training for like some super grandmasters. He has all these records for grandmasters. So he was about mm-hmm. 100. Mr. Buddy Alley. So, yeah. so Chuck and I, I think Latanya Sharif came out. I don't remember. I have a vague idea that she did. But I know Chuck came down. Charlize, I think this was her first or second year really coaching um, outdoor track. Like she's kind of just really getting into it. And mm-hmm. so she was down there by the start line. And as soon as she saw him get down and Chuck came over, because I think he's going to run by himself. And so, like, some of the coaches decided to run with him, even though Buddy, like, trains. And so mm-hmm. Charlize uh, takes off her, like, warm-up thing. She hops down there with her, like, uh, River City polo and gets mm-hmm. to the blocks and gets out. Yes. And, uh, like, didn't – I don't think she gave a second thought to going out no. and running in that race. As soon as she saw that wow. other people could do it with them, oh, she was right there. Yeah, she's she's a competitor, man. She was fierce. She she was a real deal. She was an absolute real deal. So if she's giving it out, take it all in for sure. All right, good people. Um, Check us next time on Training Well Done. We'll holla at you soon. Peace out.